You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings once again from Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. It is Friday, May the 12th, 2017, and this is your Weekly Wrap-Up. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us as usual is Eric Sprott. Eric, good morning. Craig, good morning. Good to be here again. We keep hoping, you know, these last few weeks have been a little trying for us all, but as you know, we always expect it will get better and typically does. Typically does. And just a reminder to everyone out there, this weekly wrap-up is brought to you by Sprott Money, an accredited Royal Canadian Mint Bullion DNA dealer. Please visit SprottMoney.com to learn more. Eric, you, you hit it right on the head. It has been a very difficult couple of weeks. Uh, silver declined, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it, 16 days in a row, almost straight down at a 45-degree angle on the chart, but it seems like maybe things are getting a little bit better. What do you, what do you make of things right here? Well, I, I, I read an article that there's some options that expire on uh, May 15th, which I guess is this coming Monday, and that the strike prices they'd like to uh, not have exercises around 1620. And so even though nobody seems to be able to explain why the price went down, it would seem to me that it was just the commercials doing their thing, uh, sweeping the table and getting ready for the next time. And uh, I, one of the technical people that I respect a lot uh, suggested two days ago that we have an exhaustion buy alert on silver, uh, that it should have uh, begin a bit of a rally here. And of course, uh, with all the things that you and I discuss that are going on in these physical markets, uh, we have lots of reason to believe that uh, things should should get a lot uh, better for us here, and uh, we'll talk about that in, in due course. You'll like this one, Eric. Uh, technically, from a technical perspective, I suggested to folks on my site that when the length of your decline in consecutive down days uh, at 16 reaches your RSI on the charts at 16, you're probably pretty close to a bottom. <laughs> Yeah, I would say an RSI of 16 is certainly there, right? <laughs> I mean, I think they even say that if you get below 30, it's kind of exactly. time to to start thinking about buying things. So, And I think that, you know, as we'll discuss the things going on in the world, uh, there's no, there was really no reason for silver and gold to go down here. Uh, you know, you and I will talk about the economy here, and you know, here we have, uh, what we have, retail sales up 0.4%. They were hoping for 06 uh, inflation is still there at roughly two, but oh, there's so many signs that there's no recovery going on. Uh, you know, whether it's auto sales or Macy's store sales yesterday, uh, it's just it's not there. And, and of course, these healthcare premiums are the, that's I always go back to that. I mean, I mean, I hear about these you know suggested eighty percent increase in premiums, or the guy's not even got, doesn't want to sell it anymore because he can't make any money. Well, if the insurance company can't make any money, what would the rate have to be for him to make money? Mm-hmm. That's a sort of a shocking thing to have to contemplate. And it's, it's of course, everyone's almost biggest budget expense now, health care. Yep. So you can't, you can't have double-digit inflation and those sorts of things and uh, not think that people's discretionary ability to spend on a discretionary basis is going down. And I think we see that now. Well, I think the Fed probably likes it, Eric. Uh, that adds about one percent to GDP every quarter. All that healthcare spending, and it's certainly helping their inflation mandate. So, <laughs> yeah, right. I know it's kind of funny to look at it that way, isn't it? Because if you look at some elements of GDP, there's lots of them that really shouldn't be included in GDP, mm-hmm. right? When you think of healthcare, are we actually getting healthier? No, we're not getting healthier. As a matter of fact, right? The age of uh, 
The average age of life is going down in the United States. The uh, I think the death rate of infant death rate's gone up in the United States in the last decade. So we spend all this money and we we're less healthy for goodness sake. Diabetes is going crazy. So you know we we don't have much to show for it. Yet it goes as you say it goes into GDP. Everything's great. GDP is going up. Yeah. Well, thank you. People being less healthy can, should hardly be going into GDP and security. Imagine the money we spend on security. You know. Like, man, it's just gone crazy in the last 10 years. Ever since that guy supposedly was going to light his running shoe uh, right. on the plane, think of the money we've had to spend on on the security and the time wasted. Oh, it's shocking you have to think about it. Right. Well, I know my life expectancy has been shortened after these last couple of weeks, and my health has declined. Uh, however, there does seem to be a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, my friend. And I want to I want to get your thoughts more specifically on the miners, because, uh, you know, we've got this whole thing hanging over everyone's heads with the GDXJ, and the shares had a really tough couple of weeks just with the metals. However, uh, the Huey Index bottomed at 180 last Thursday, the 4th, and uh, it's going to be up again today because the metals are up. It was in 194 yesterday. Uh, yeah. Do you think there's a chance that uh, sentiment has finally kind of been washed out and uh, can maybe only improve from here? Well, I, I can understand why the shares go. Let's imagine that the reason the shares went down was because somebody took them down intentionally. You know, if I was that guy, I'd be buying the shares before I let the price of the metals go back up. That's the tip-off, right? You go in and you buy the shares because you know full well that the price of the metals is going back up again. So you're going to get super torque on the shares. So you go and buy those first before you come into the COMEX and buy the metals. But there's no question that in my mind, the value is there. I see, I mean, I watch lots of companies and I see mostly good things happening to them. Some of them aren't uh, as good as they could be, particularly if some of the bigger guys have had a tough time keeping it together. But I think there's some incredible values out there. When I look at various stocks, I think, well, why would that be that cheap? Even now, I mean, I can hardly believe it, that there's a fundamental reason. I think, man, that stock should be twice as high as it is. So th- that sort of thinking tells you that uh, you're kind of getting down to a point where things, as you put it, they are washed out. So, and I've been there before as reflecting on sort of going back to uh, early in 16 when, man, there were no bids on anything and you'd bring out some good news and the stock wouldn't go up and you think, like, there's no market anymore. Well, then all of a sudden, of course, the Jan, whatever it was, 19th in uh, 2016, things just started rocking. The next thing you know, you're up 150%. So, uh, I I would guess that we've seen the bottom here. Yeah, you know, you and I talked a couple of weeks ago about whether you can measure capitulation simply on price or if you can measure it on sentiment, which also is obviously always connected to price. And boy, it sure seemed, especially after what happened late last year and then this latest pullback, that we almost had a capitulation in sentiment, didn't it? Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the GDXJ situation. And, of course, they might very well have shot themselves in the foot, right? Because... They've changed the GDXJ to GDXM mid-cap. Mm-hmm. But people want the J. They don't want M. They want J. And um, and so people have, not only is there going to be a re-rating of, of the stocks that are in it, but people are selling the GDXJ. They're net selling. So now you got a double dip, right? Yeah. Not only are they going to change the makeup, but on, on balance, they have to be selling positions. So it has gone further than we all might have imagined and maybe there's even some still some pressure left we'll see um but i, I 
you know, we have to find other things to replace the GDXJ, which I know some people are buying the uh, spot uh, small miners index. Um, and there'll be other uh, things to buy. But it, it, when you go from J to M, you lose your audience, unfortunately. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens there. Two other topics this week, Eric, and then they're ones we usually cover almost every week here. First, let's talk about politics, especially here in the U.S., because you know, as soon as Trump was elected, the narrative changed about how bullish this was uh, for the stock market and everything else because there was going to be massive infrastructure spending and tax cuts and all this stuff. Boy, it sure seems like all that stuff. I mean, we've come to a full stop down here south of the border, Eric, uh, with everything else going on. Do you see it that way? Well, you, you mentioned the word narrative, and I always I love the phrase, narrative follows performance, okay? And I, I'm certainly of the view that you may very well have had the plunge protection team in there after Trump got elected, and I think the market was down about 8% or something overnight, and the plunge protection team came in, turned it around, and all of a sudden, the narrative follows the performance. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, Trump's good for the stock market. He's good for the economy. Uh, and now, uh, to your point... I mean, we're seeing such volatility of opinions within the White House. You know, we like it one day, we don't like it the next day, and we're back and forth, and, oh, man, it just seems chaotic to me. I, 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 would, I wouldn't want to have to try to figure it out, to be honest with you, okay? That is, uh, I don't know. I don't know whether we're draining the swamp. I don't know whether, you know, we're working with Wall Street, we're working against Wall Street. I have no idea anymore, because we seem to get... You know, different messages all the time and the things that he stood for, whether it's the wall or the trade stuff. I mean, it all seems to be have been pushed back under the carpet here and uh, nothing's happening yet. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a mess. It all leads to uncertainty, which makes you think, well, that might have definitely trickled down even more into the economy, slow things down even further. And this whole rate hike scheme, everything else might be uh, thrown up in the air. Yeah. Well, even, you know, you mentioned uh, on a little chat before the call here. Home Capital up here in Canada, where which is a sort of an alternative kind of bank that's in the mortgage lending business, and uh, that uh, all of a sudden the few people got a sense that it wasn't working, and they just take their deposits out so fast that they lost well, like a billion and a half in two weeks, something like that, and the stock fell by about eighty uh, percent. Uh, but that's what can happen to lenders? You know, when things start getting soft and there were all these expectations are going to be great, and then you find out it's not great. And then you do start thinking about where you have your money and is that guy going to make it? Does he have a derivative position, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, and that's, that's a very healthy environment for gold and silver. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's when really they stand the test of time. Yeah. So yeah. They, yeah, I, I agree. All right, one last question. You know, we talk about gold demand every week. We don't necessarily see it reflected in the paper markets, but the physical stuff itself sure seems to be a hot item. You and I were both uh, uh, pleased to see a great article this week from SRS Rocco about a big 50% increase in 2017, at least in January and February combined, of gold exports from the U.S. And I know you track that. You track exports from England, exports from Switzerland, and then imports into China and India. Yeah. What do you, you, I'm sure you're watching these good. trends. What do you think? Well, of course, I'm always amazed. Let's take the U.S. and, and England as examples. I mean, it has no gold products. So when, when there's a big chunk of gold leaving the U.K., you got to wonder, well, where's that coming from? And, of course, you're always thinking, well, it could be some central bank selling that goes unrecorded because it's leased to the dealer, and when they lease it, they don't have to say they sold it. Um same thing with, uh, you know, you see the big exports from Switzerland into India. Of course, Switzerland 
doesn't produce any gold either. And same thing with the, U, with the U.S. when they shipped out 100 tons in January and February, but they only mined 80. And you got to presume that some of those 80 would have been consumed within the United States. So, uh, you know, who was coughing up, who knows, 20 to 40 tons in a two-month period? Uh, and probably the most important data point was the preliminary numbers out of India, 98 tons for the month of April. The last month was, I think, 110 or so. So we're running at 100 tons a month. I mean, that's 1,200 tons a year. Last year was 650. I can't imagine somebody could come in and buy an extra 550 tons in a, in a roughly 4,500-ton market without the price going a little higher. Yeah. And or where's this coming from? You know, who's providing? That, that's, that's central bank type size, right? Right. <laughs> a difference of 550 tons. Somebody got, somebody big's got to provide that. So, no, I think all the... The signs of the physical market are, have been uh, quite positive, and uh, you know if this market wants to get a little bit of weakness here, the uh, I think the stocks and, and the price of metal will run pretty hard. Yeah, the the uh, in the Far East, as we call it here, India, China, they take advantage of the sales, don't they? Yeah, when the price comes down, they're buyers. Yeah, and they bought uh, very wisely. Yes, and, and Eric, I was just thinking I should correct you on one thing. You know, in, in Great Britain, they do have gold. They, you know, they got that little Irish guy in the green suit. He's got that pot down there at the end of the rainbow. <laughs> I forgot about that guy. Yeah, exactly. That's where it came from? <laughs> exactly. They can hit that anytime they want. So They're right. Yeah, uh, it's it's emptying though as well, and it sure presents an interesting situation. It does. It's uh, it should be looking good here. You know, we get that's the one thing we always get to fall back on the physical side of things, notwithstanding what happens to us in the uh, in the thing known as the Comex, where the the paper just eviscerates us. And uh, good for you and guys like Steve uh, Saint Angelo to stay on top of it and uh, report the developments there because uh, it, it really is manipulation and it happens so regularly. And it's amazing that the hedge funds get fleeced every time. Maybe their day will come. Let's hope so. Yeah, let's hope so. Uh, all right, my friend. Thank you so much for your time uh, and all that you do. And uh, we will talk again next week. Okay, Craig. All my regards. All the best. And from all of us here at Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com, thanks for listening and have a great weekend. <laughs>